a soldier, an airman, and a marine walk into a room. This show is The Punchline. My name is Ryan Smeltz, and you're watching Veteran Talk Show. All right, guys. So in case you don't know, we are an affiliate for Soldier Girl Coffee Company. I'm super excited about this because they have amazing coffee. And in future episodes, you will see us drinking soldier girl coffee uh they also have a cbd coffee so if uh you need um some cbd uh which helps support um your health in a sense of relaxation uh it helps uh with your your sleep and your overall health on a day-to-day basis then soldier girl coffee has both that and the caffeine you need uh, so be sure to check out the link in the show notes. Uh, go ahead and click that, shop around, and make sure you get yourself some Soldier Girl coffee today. All right, so what are we talking about today? On this new day. On this new day. That is definitely completely different from the last episode. It's definitely not the Shh, same day. It's okay. <laughs> Just go with it. Uh, so we were in the last episode, we talked about Ukraine, um, and, uh, and, and Fauci, um, on, on this one, I, I added, uh, Joe Rogan to the list. Um, by happening with him, hmm? so a lot's happening with him. Yeah. <laughs> and then sad really, but and then uh, what did we talk about at the beginning of the last episode? What were we jaw jacking about? Well, we went into construction with plumbing and Oh yeah, that was exciting. That was very exciting. I know people want to be like, Yeah, that's what I need to listen to. That's yeah. what I want more of. Yeah. How yeah. do I how do I get more how home get, ownership episodes? Yeah, how do I how do I get that? You can put up the nice wall. That helps. Yeah, with the very straight and level boards. It is fucking straight and level. I don't know why you keep saying that every time we talk about it. Because you brought it up, so I thought it was near well, and dear to your heart. You had the camera like all caca. <laughs> it made it look like it was like going up in a certain direction. I'm it's like, all right. I saw your level out there. I know it's level. It's fucking level, dude. And plum. What? I know what the fuck I'm doing. I know words. I know words. <laughs> So, so you, uh, we haven't talked about this for a while, but you know, speaking of college words, you went to college. I went to you colleges. You mentioned this earlier. You are a classically trained chef. I am a class, yeah. And I think in the last episode, we also talked about like the temperature of meat. Yep. I was, uh, so after the Marine Corps, I went to culinary school and got a bachelor's degree in food service management and beverage operations. That's what my degree is in. And then you did that for a little while. And I did that for a little while. Yeah. And then got into operations and operations management just through on-the-job training. And now I'm with a building material supply company. And now you can put up cool walls. And now I can put up fuck cool walls and get fucking <laughs> cool shit done in my house. Uh, yeah, so I went to... Uh, so before the Marine Corps, I studied at Western Carolina University for three and a half years. Um, I started out as a history major, kind of realized that was not. Thought you wanted to do it, but didn't. Well, so my plan was go to law school. 
And I thought, well, history will get me there. Um, and then I had to take a class where I was like, this just really isn't for me. Maybe law school isn't for me. Um, just because the amount of research and reading that needed to be done on really dry subjects. So I had one grade in the entire class uh, for the entire semester. Uh, and that was a 100-page paper that I had to write in a certain style, in a history style type paper. Yeah. Um, and I had to have 300 annotated sources. And I, that was due in at midterm. And that class met for the first two weeks of the semester, three weeks of the semester. We met once a week um, for three, three hours um, to kind of go over the basics. And then it was like the rest of the time when the class was supposed to meet, that was time you were supposed to be in the library researching your, I get, for lack of a better word, thesis um, and, and writing your paper. <laughs> and that was due at midterm. And I was like, this uh, is not for me. Ready, said go. <laughs> yeah. I was like, don't, don't feel like this is a good class to take. Uh, but it was part of the history program. And I don't know if it still is up there. Uh, and I was like, so I, I transferred after that into criminal law and justice or applied criminology. Still thinking maybe law school is the type of thing, which I got a lot more law out of, which I enjoyed. Um, still had classes where I had to go write big papers, but I actually enjoyed reading the briefs um, and kind of formulating an argument, whether two or four against whatever the brief was or the case we were studying. Usually it was Supreme Court driven. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And then had some other things happen at, in life that happened. And I was like, can't stay in this small little town, uh, Silva, North Carolina. I need to get the <laughs> fuck out. And so I dropped out of college and ran to the Marine Corps and went into the Marines. Never looked back. Never looked back. And <laughs> then after the Marines went to, um, the reason I went to culinary school was because all that time in college, I was working in bars and restaurants and really actually enjoyed that life. Like just enjoyed being in kitchens, doing, doing, being just, just doing grunt work back in the kitchen. I just enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. It was high stress. Um, so I thought while I was in the Marine Corps, well, after the Marines, I'll go to culinary school and, um, really enjoyed drinking still do. Uh, so I was like, why not go somewhere where I can do, learn how to brew. So I went to Denver, Colorado, where they at the time had the largest, uh, breweries per capita. I think they still do in the city. And my goal was to, at that time, um, learn how to brew commercially, start my own like gastro brew pub. And uh, that kind of changed when I couldn't find a job in a brewery, but found a job in a distillery. And then that opened up to distribution and operations. And I really enjoyed that. So I was like, well, maybe this is my thing. And I've been in operations distribution ever since. But yes, I, I went to college twice. I went to college before the army for general studies at a community college. Mm -hmm. And the uh, first semester I took college level trigonometry it was one of my classes. And cause I just saw it as once you took one level of math, you took the next level. So in high school I had done, uh, algebra and geometry. So I was like, well, trigonometry is next. So I took that. And then the second semester, a buddy convinced me 
that we should take all the same classes together. So we did, um, cause we were the same year and he was like, well, why take the next level of math when we could take this one? And I was like, you can do that. So we took a basic level math course, the second semester of college. And I all but slept through it because I'm not a math whiz, but you give me a calculator and a piece of paper and I can figure stuff out. Right. And so I spent most of my time either helping the girls in the class that couldn't add two plus two. I uh, thank you. <laughs> or uh, sleeping or, you know, knocking out my work real quick so I could screw off. And uh, yeah. Um, if you listen to War Stories, uh, which is the 10 minute morning segment on the Veteran Talk Show, uh, uh, my brother in law was on convalescent leave. I told him I had thought about joining the military when I was like 14, 15, 16, and he was like, Well, why don't you come on down to the recruiting office and just talk? Yeah, and that's See, pretty much all she wrote. I grew up knowing that I wanted to go into the Marines, like, I from a very young age like i wanted to be in the marines like yeah. that was just what i wanted to do the kids are playing army, army. In the woods, and i was out i was like well you guys are stupid i'm gonna be a marine because <laughs> um no i mean i i from a very young age and when high school came to an end um when i was in my my senior year i still hadn't applied to colleges at that point um which most kids start doing like summer of their senior year, um, trying to get like early admissions and everything by like end of my first semester, of my senior year in high school, I saw it because I was just kind of set. Like I'm going to graduate from high school and go to the Marines. Um, and my mother, uh, the saint that she is, <laughs> um, through many numerous long, long conversations, basically convinced me to go to college um and i was like i don't want to do this this isn't something school is not ever have uh, was not ever for, for me like um let me go and do this thing and then we'll reassess college after it maybe whatever she was like no 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 i mean it was a, there was one night we got into a huge argument like she was crying it was cops may or may not have been called uh, maybe maybe um but it, it was a, it was a pretty big fight and so i just kind of caved and i applied to i think i only applied to like two of the easiest four-year colleges i could think of which was western carolina and eastern carolina hmm. it was like everybody i know who's applied to those two colleges got in so i was like i'll apply to those two colleges to just appease her because i really I was the type of kid who never showed up to class or like when I was in class participated. Um, cause I was like, D's get degrees, man. I don't give a shit. And I didn't yeah. <laughs> like my thing was for high school. I was like, going to school is utterly pointless because you are a teacher who's going to stand there and talk for 55 minutes when all you could do is just give me the book and say, memorize pages 25 through 50 for your next test. And that's all I need to do. And it's, it's notice information so you can regurgitate it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, what is your purpose here? Like I'd look at T I would get into fights with teachers. Cause I was just like, cause I just deemed them 
at the time, I was like, you're kind of pointless in this scenario here. <laughs> like, if the kid can't read and memorize, then, you know, they should go, you know, be a homeless person, I guess. I don't know. They're glor uh, glorified babysitters. Yeah, you're a glorified babysitter to watch. It's like, I, I literally viewed school as a prison. Like, for whatever reason, I've been sentenced to going to this place for six hours a day when there's no need for, like, you could just give me the book and I can memorize it and then go to school and take the test and be fine. Yeah. Like, you don't learn a lot that way, but that's all you're really asking me to do. So, <clears throat> I didn't like school. And I did. I thought college was going to be a lot of the same. I found out college was just basically a giant party of alcohol and drug use and sex, and I loved it. And I was like, oh, I don't actually have to go to class. I can still have the same <laughs> study habits I had. And college was not that way. And so, like, I realized very quickly that it wasn't regurgitation. And, like, I really struggled with studies in college because I was like, oh, I can't just get a book and memorize stuff and regurgitate it. That's not how this thing of education works <laughs> you mean it's more analytical here at this level why wouldn't you teaching me that back then yeah why why would you teaching me regurgitation and then say okay now you're going to learn a whole new way of doing things oh. so um but a lot of other stuff happened in my personal life and i was like oh i need to change my life and reassess how i make life choices <laughs> so that meant i had to go join the marines I didn't even tell my, I remember this, this was, this was the funny thing is I looked at, I went into the recruiter up at Western. I didn't even come home for it. I went to Western care of the recruiter up in Silva and I was recruited out of Silva. And I was like, well, here's my home record is it, cause it was still my mom's address here in Raleigh. And I'm like, he was like, well, let me go meet your mom's like, blah, 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 blah. let's not do that. <laughs> like, I'm 22 years old. She has no basis of this decision. This is a me decision. I'm doing this. So let me sign my name on the dotted line. Like, let me make sure I get what I want out of this deal. Sign my name on the dotted line and we can part ways. Like, let me go to boot camp. He's like, are you sure? I was like, yeah. 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 Totally. 100%. He's like, okay. Sign on the dotted line. I'm like, and I, I remember about a week after I had signed and everything, all the paperwork had gone through. And I was now technically in the debt program. I was like, I called my mom. I was like, so this thing happened last week. You should probably be aware of. And yes, she was, she's joining the Marines. She was like, what happened? I was like, she thought I was like about to tell her. So I was living such a life where I was like, I either got arrested or got a girl knocked up or something. And she was like, what happened? Oh, Christ God, please don't let it be the end of your life. And I was like, I joined the Marine Corps. And she was like, for when you graduate, right? You're going to OCS. I was like, no. She was like, what? I was like, yeah, I, I leave April, whatever. She's like, that's like a month away. I'm like, yep. yep. <laughs> so that's happening. She's like, what are you going to do with all your stuff in the house? I was like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Probably sell it or just leave it and let my roommate deal with it. Like, I don't know. But I know I'm going to be at boot camp on this day. That's happening. I have to report to duty. Mine, mine was similar. I mean, at the time, I was I just turned 18. And so I kind of just did it and then later told my parents. Yeah. And mom was tore the fuck up. Yeah, my mom was. My mom cried. Yeah. 
it was not a good good time and i was like at that point though i was so mad at her that i was like this is what i wanted to do fucking three years ago four years ago and you were like no fuck you you don't know what you're doing and i'm like here we are she tried to guilt trip me at one point and be like you know how much money i spent on college i was like i told you not to do it like <laughs> I, I, we went through this conversation four years ago this was your own fault you made this bed now you gotta lie in it yeah she's like well you're gonna pay it off i was like i mean i guess i can you want to <laughs> pass it off to me because we had fisa and all that and i was like ah just fucking this is stupid why am i spending money on this yeah and then very quickly in the marine corps i was like i should probably go to college <laughs> <laughs> like I, re I, I quickly realized. Like I remember in Afghanistan, I would meet the butter bars, and I was like, they thought they were so much smarter than everybody because they were like, I went through OCS and have a college degree. I was like, dude, you've got literally eighteen more credits of college than I do. Yeah, you don't learn a fuck ton lot more in college. I look. I literally had a debate with one of my platoon with a uh, one of the platoon commanders. Was like, I was like, what did you study? He was like, hospitality. I was like fucking hospitality the fuck are you gonna do with that bro not shit and i just kind of went off i was like you don't do that ah. and he was just kind of like oh you actually went to college and did shit and no stuff i was like yeah yeah i did i i got really lucky so a lot of the i'm charging in right now yeah a lot of the uh just ended um the the lieutenants that i had were very down to earth you know, the very first one I had, the one that I had that I didn't like, uh, we ended up deploying with. That was miserable because he was very political, very much of an ass kisser. Um, but my platoon commander in Afghanistan, at first, I did not like because I kind of brushed him off. Um, and that was my mistake. He was he was a pretty he was a very good commander, very good leader. Um, really kind of bred to do combat leadership. There were other officers in his same class that kind of got dropped to our unit that I was like, no, I respect you. And I respect their rank, but I don't respect them as men. Yeah. I was like, I remember my executive officer. I was like, my goal in life is just to argue with him <laughs> just whenever I can, because he thinks so much less of me. And I'm like, fuck you, bro. This this like guy smarter than you. This this guy was a, an ass kisser and just wanted to take missions because the commander wanted somebody to do it, and he was always up there trying to get it. You know, we were just taxed to the fucking max as far as missions went, mm -hmm. and uh, he just I I don't think he made good decisions. I don't think he was a very good leader. Um, but outside of that, you know, at at Fort Polk in Louisiana. Um, or, which is where I deployed from, but the lieutenant we had before him was fucking awesome. Yeah. He he was our platoon leader, and then he became the company XO because he got promoted to first lieutenant. Ooh, uh, I hit the microphone. There's going to be a... Very, nice. very down-to-earth, um, very humble. Uh, that was my, my platoon commander in Afghanistan. He was very down-to-earth, very humble. Uh, he was a no-nonsense type of guy like he would talk to you like gauge kind of who you were and where you're where you were at mentally and emotionally and physically and all this um but when shit needed to get done like he was like you we're fucking doing this mm -hmm. um, 
fucking shut your mouth. Like no. this ain't a discussion. So he knew kind of when to be um, the boss and when to be the leader. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I ended up having a lot of respect for that guy. I uh, still do to this day. Uh, there's probably two guys that outranked me, maybe three in terms of leadership in the Marine Corps that if they, like my first platoon commander was a staff, staff NCO, which was really weird to have. Um, he was our, he was a staff sergeant. And oh yeah, it was weird. Um, and, um, he and I pers on a personal level, probably we would never get along. Um, personality wise. But I guarantee you, out of anyone I followed in the Marine Corps, if that guy came into this, if he showed up at my front door, having not talked to him since 2008, 2009, if he showed up right now, rang my doorbell, and like looked at me and was like, get your fucking gun, we're going to go invade the gates of hell, I'd be like, cool. I'll be right there. I'll be, I'll <laughs> be right behind you. Like, you just tell me where you need me. Oh. Um, he's probably the only one that could command that kind of respect or leadership for me. My platoon commander in Afghanistan was a close second um, to that. I, I think the differences there was, um, I mean, he was, a, he was enlisted, my first platoon commander. He was an enlisted guy. So he came up through the ranks just as a private PFC like I did. I, um, I don't. I just don't understand how that's even possible. I, I don't know how it worked out. Commissioned sure. officers' spots had to be filled by commissioned officers. I don't know the background of how that happened, but I, that staff sergeant was our platoon commander in Iraq. That's crazy, and we were the best platoon in the entire company. Yeah, that checks out. And uh, I mean, it was it was kind of like I remember RCT regimental combat team was making tours of post and they came into one of our tcps because we were separated between our platoon was separated between two tcps um watching a bridge and he rolled over there and was like where's the platoon commander and the staff sergeant's like well it's me sir and he's like this is the problem with this battalion so you got fucking enlisted guys as platoon commanders and he's just like we adapt and overcome, sir. That's what we do. <laughs> My platoon leaders at Fort Hood. Uh, so in Germany, I didn't have one because I was MCOM. So yeah. we, we ran the post. Um, but at Fort Hood, uh, the first one I had, <clears throat> same thing, very much knew what his job was. Yeah. And to do that. Um, and then when we would go out, um, you know to the range or on a rug march or something he let the platoon sergeant do his job and then the the platoon leader after him uh was actually married to the daughter of my battalion commander from fort polk oh wow which was a crazy roundabout a little bit, little bit of nepotism there uh I don't know. yeah i mean he was uh he, he was cool it was funny i told him uh I've I've told this story before, but I accidentally cussed that guy out, the battalion commander, because I didn't know who he was because we were out running a, a sticks lane and he was playing op four. So we had full gear on. So I couldn't tell who he was from Joe Snuffy. And I was like, we obviously didn't have real flashbangs or grenades. So I 
mimed the whole throw a grenade and then yelled bang like they told us to do. And when we went in, he started shooting. And I go, hey, motherfucker, I throw a fucking grenade. You're fucking dead. And then we're holding the, and of course, he didn't know who I was either. So then we drop all our gear and we're having a huddle and he's in the middle talking to everybody. And he's like, hey, whoever threw that grenade, I'm sorry. And I'm like, that yeah. was that guy right there. Yeah, whoever threw that grenade. Uh, I was like, how I'll dare be- you kill our commander? I was a PFC at the time. And then when I got to Fort Hood and I met that lieutenant and he was my platoon leader, I told him that story and he was like, yeah, that's pretty funny. I remember, so Afghanistan, I was on radio watch in the COC and um, it was during the day and our battalion commander had come down with our CO and um, our battalion commander kind of came into the COC and was sitting down and was just kind of casually talking to everybody like... How you doing? How you holding up? Just basic. And then when my platoon commander came into the COC, they started getting into a a real like conversation as to what's happening. Like down to earth, you're the commander on the ground here. What are you seeing? What are you doing? What do I need to know? You know, what do you need from me? Kind of a type conversation. And so he started getting into it. He stops and he goes, "Hey, real quick, uh, can you can you make just put on a pot of coffee because I feel like this is going to be a long conversation." And he's like, all right, cool, sir. I'll get you. And he like pulled, we had this like makeshift duct tape coffee thing. I don't even know if you could call it a coffee maker. It was MacGyvered as hell. And um, is he's like looking at my platoon manager, looking at it, he looks at me. He's like, Alec, you know, you, you know how to make coffee. And I just stood up and was like, sir, go ahead and sit, sit down. I'm gonna give you a hip pocket class <laughs> on how to operate this coffee machine. And when I'm done with my <laughs> class, you can fill out my earth. And my battalion commander started laughing <laughs> and he's like how the fuck does this lance corporal know what the fuck any of this is and i looked at him dead on serious as hell looked at him was like sir i could fill a pool with shit you don't know and i just started <laughs> and he started laughing he was just like he thought it was funny i mean i was just like i mean i did it respectfully it was like it wasn't, like it was just sir, a joke it was just sir. a joke and because i had been running like three days with no sleep at that point and he was just like he started laughing he's like yeah, all right. I like this guy. Like, gotcha. I got to fill a pool with shit you don't I know. Fill a pool with shit you don't know. That's funny. You could probably. I was like, and I looked down. I was like, you could probably fill an ocean with shit I don't know. But that doesn't. That still. That doesn't negate my pool. Doesn't negate my pool. That's funny. It was. It was a pretty funny. It was pretty. Uh, it was pretty funny. But like, yeah, my platoon commander in um in Afghanistan. Um, you know. The guys I served with, by and large, for the most part in Afghanistan, um, even the guys who were a junior to me, um, I have nothing but respect for. Um, even though I didn't get along with most of them, um, personality-wise, like I was very impressed with the, the type of people they were, the yeah. type of guys they were. Yeah. Um, I think if you would have had a different set of guys in that in that platoon and in that company um we would had it would have been a a huge disaster we had had way more casualties we would had i mean i had a strong strong backbone of ncos that were by and large just amazing um the majority of the ncos i even the ncos that maybe higher command didn't like or agree with um 
were barring the best NCOs ever. Yeah. Um, and then the junior guys I had were just kind of like, I've never seen anything like them. Like when bullets were raging and flying, they were just like, fuck it. Like we're doing this shit. Let's do this. I'll fucking burn the world down or die trying. Um, there, it, 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 I will say 95%, 98% of the guys I served with were, and it was just insane to kind of sit back and watch as an outsider looking at how they were yeah. and being like, holy shit. Like, you were legitimate badasses, all of you. Like, I'm not. I'm a terrible human being compared to you. Yeah. But you, you guys are fucking awesome. Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, last, last episode we left off. Well, we left off talking about Fauci. Ugh. But then... Did we? Oh, God, you're wet. Why the fuck are you wet? You went and ran in the lake today, didn't you? The hell yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Fauci. Yeah. Terrible human being that he is. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, Smart man. <laughs> I mean, at the, at the end of the day, I think what upsets a lot of people is, you know, a lot of flip-flopping when it came to his policies. Uh, the fact that he was allowed to, to make policy. Uh, even if it wasn't him necessarily signing the documents, he's coming out and saying, you know, right. he like was the every unelected official who was, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think my problem with Fauci is that if you, um, I think it best is summed up by if you disagree with me, you disagree with science. And I'm like, yeah, then or telling me you don't know how science works. Yeah. I mean, if you if you look back at science, I mean, look at Albert Einstein, one of the greatest scientists of all time. He who furthered science in, in unfathomable in unfathomable ways. It took what twenty years for him to win the Nobel Prize from people within the scientific community debating and going over with a fine tooth comb everything he had said. Before they were like, all right, your shit's legit. Yeah, gravity, uh, gravity exists as a, as a thing. Like, it's, a, it's not a, a force. It's an actual thing. No. Uh, e, e equals MC squared. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, cool. No, uh, I, light I, actually I, bends around gravity. That's kind of fucking amazing. Yeah. And uh, it took 20 years of debate for that to happen. So for someone to go be like, if you debate me, you're like, <laughs> No, dude, that's not how science works. Like, you you form hypotheses and you go back, and you know, coronavirus is pretty new. There's a lot of data that still has to be kind of formulated and analyzed. Like, you don't get to dictate one thing and then say, "If you disagree with me, you disagree with science." Like, go fuck yourself, you idiot. Yeah. Like any fucking seven year old can tell you that. That's not how science goes. I think one thing I find most interesting is the there there has to be some sort of disconnect between the people who agree with and support Fauci versus the ones who don't. Because I think there's a large degree of it. 
I feel I feel like in general a lot well, of people is, don't agree he, with him and support he, him. He is a well in the science community, he is kind of he is the wizard behind the curtain. Yeah. When it comes to grants of science of, of scientific studies for a large for the uh NIH. Um and so if you flat out publicly disagree with them and you're a scientist and you're trying to get money for a study to do something to say this is what we want to study if you publicly disagree with them i mean you you are at that point threatened to be like oh you disagree with me well i'm not going to grant you the money for your study and your fellowship or whatever and and now you're kind of like well fuck I have to agree with you politically in order to get to further my research. Um, otherwise, you know, science dies. Which I think is especially terrible for the people who are literally just trying to do research. Yeah, absolutely. They're literally just trying to do their job but because they have why, a certain... I don't know why Fauci has not been fired. I honestly don't know. I think he started out so, with good... So he is like, he is like what... I think was it. So who Batman? does who does that? Because I know uh, I'm under the impression the president can do it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how his job is laid out. I don't know how he's put in the position he's in. I honestly don't know. Um, I I feel like Fauci started out with the best intentions. It's kind of like that scene in Batman. Was it Batman Begins? It was like. You are the hero. If you're the hero and you live long enough, to you will see yourself become the villain. Yeah. And I think that was kind of Fauci's progression. Started off with great intentions, trying to keep the public calm, kind of like Facebook. Started off with great intentions, but turned into a giantly evil thing. <laughs> Let's connect the world. Let's connect the world. Now we're oh, going to put wait, you in people, the metaverse. The world is filled with idiots. <laughs> and probably shouldn't connect some of these terrible voices out there um yeah i mean i i a lot of this you know he kind of said one thing and the it kind of became this political football you know, where if you agreed with him you were enlightened intellectual person and if you disagreed with him, you were a deplorable human being who was a alt-right fascist Nazi, um, which I think is incredibly wrong. And I don't think Fauci is to blame for that. I don't think he. I don't. I don't think he's solely to blame for that. I think he takes some blame, and like he was like looking at it, going, "Oh, this is. I'm inflating my own ego now." Um, instead of being someone who's like, eh, just calm down there. I thank you for agreeing with me, but what you're saying is, you know, pump the brakes there. Because um, there wasn't a lot of science out there. Um, you know, I remember, what was it, a year and a half ago, if you talked about Wuhan and the idea that the coronavirus came from a lab, that you were automatically rubber stamped as a racist and you're like we can't even investigate this theory we can't look at the data on this we can't as scientists kind of agree that there is there is nuance to it there is 
there is data to support that theory let's look at that theory if it's not if it's not a thing let the data speak and and now it's out there and now and now we know (laughs) and now and well now it's a a theory that is talked about it's not i I think a hundred percent it's still a theory it's not scientific law it's still but it's a theory that's now open to discussion it's not a theory that is if we even just approach that theory we're labeled racists which is very similar to coming back to fauci where he said you know the u.s does not support gain of function research it does it and does now do. now it, over in those labs and now we have the documents that specifically say we were funding gain of function research well, i think that was the big thing is that people there were a few journalists that kind of were like wait a minute gain of function research i mean in this and i am not a fan of Rand paul but the thing he was doing so well was he was like he was asking questions he was like gain of function is defined as this what you are telling me is this definition so what you are telling me is that we are funding gain of function no 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 Fauci here's, was responding as though because it doesn't say those words, yeah. that means we weren't. He's doing like, it. he's like, you basically pulled out a thesaurus and found a bunch of synonyms and just plugged them in. And since you didn't say the exact definition, we aren't doing gain. Are you looking at? Uh oh, you're go, 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 somebody's go, go, in go, trouble. Go. What's wrong? I do okay okay is it bath time oh dear it's gonna be hell in this house for a little while that's gonna be exciting yeah the big girl's getting a bath yeah she did go in the lake today nugget doesn't like uh bath time but he's also 15 pounds so i just kind of yeah she's 90 she doesn't like <laughs> because it's a it's kind of a thing that's why i like i look at her i'm like like she doesn't really go into the water like she but she'll get in just enough and be close enough to the duck she doesn't trust herself swimming so all the other dogs will like go just fucking swim out in the lake and she'll stand there and get like up to her chest and she'll be like i don't trust not being able to see where my feet are going but like other dogs will come and just splash all over and she's fine with it but man she stinks kind of feel bad that she's getting taken a bath without me but i'm like it'll be all right shit'll buff out it'll it will she'll be all poofy so i i think the other thing with fauci primarily i mean i think it's the most obvious one is the flip-flop on the masks because he kept going back and forth Wear a mask, don't wear a mask, wear two masks. I don't blame Fauci for that. I I understand that science is ever evolving. And that when you have a small criteria of data to look at, and that's all you have, you have to interpret that data the best way you can. And as more data then starts to come in, then you kind of will have to change. That furthers your kind of view of what's happening, right? I think Fauci's biggest mistake is not kind of explaining to the world like 
what we didn't really know because he wanted to come out and be the egotistical maniac he's like i am i am science <laughs> um which is terrible i mean someone in his position should not have that mentality um and for that i think he should be fired i mean it's like you can explain to the people like we are getting data we are receiving data every day and we are analyzing it and it is a process um right now we are thinking from what we are seeing you should wear masks but that could change tomorrow that could change next week or next year um the data just we just have to get the data in and it takes time to gather that data and analyze that data but right now from the small things that we're seeing this is what we think is best he never did that and that's why i don't think you should listen to that person in that viewpoint because they aren't sitting there going this is what we think um they're like we know everything because huh. we are doctors and we have spent lots of time in school um so i don't know i i, I think I, my I don't issue think with him it. as a personality person is a is is a leader i don't think and for him to be up in front of the country and lionized as a leader is a mistake on journalism's part on the media's part no um no because no one kind of questioned him um and the ones that did were just kind of labeled neo-nazi conservatives <laughs> um you know alt-right christian whatever kind of adjective you want to use and they did that in this kind of monolith thing and so i think you had this fear-mongering going on and it just kind of it was a vicious cycle that just fed on each other and and i think that it's kind of stuck around so like one of my issues with the flip-flop on the mask is tell everyone to wear a mask based off of your current data when it looks like maybe you don't have to anymore kind of like you were saying take a pause take a look at that data that information uh because it went wear a mask don't wear a mask wear two masks don't wear any mask cloth masks don't work n95 masks work mm -hmm. so it's like if you had backpedaled a little bit it's possible through this whole thing we could have gone mask to no mask and that was it yeah but instead because we changed so many times in the middle now he just kind of looks foolish yeah i mean i think that's a lack of leadership in his he is an analytical like his he is a meek analytical personality type person i don't mean meek in a, a sense that that's a bad thing i mean it's just not a he is not a charismatic leader yep. um and i think to kind of give him the spotlight that he was given without kind of a filter of someone who is a little more charismatic to kind of say i mean it, it, i go back to the emperor has no clothes like he kind of believed his own ego and so he would walk around you know you know the story of the emperor yeah. has no clothes and was like oh the clothes are invisible and no one was like dude you're fucking naked <laughs> like and your dick is tiny like you might want to cover that shit up um that's kind of the situation that we were in and i don't think it's only fauci is to blame i don't think there our nation is so big and filled with such diverse people and cultures and ways of thinking and doing things 
that you cannot ever blame one single person or entity or thing as much as we want to. I think that's kind of our biggest Achilles heel, right? I go to the gun violence debate. The gun violence debate is a, is a debate that is worth having. That is, there is very intricate and, and there is a lot of things there that contribute to gun violence. There are, to mass shootings, to, um, to, to all these things. It's not the fact that we have easy access to guns. Now, granted, is, it, is that a factor? Sure, I'll give you that argument. Is it a variable in the equation? Absolutely. But is outlawing guns the answer to that? No, it's the, it's, it's, it's the quick and easy thing that, that, for whatever reason, our society wants. We are, you know, I remember being in high school when Columbine happened and you know, everyone's like, oh, it's, it's the, the music and the video games. <laughs> it it's definitely Marilyn was. Manson and video games. It definitely was. And, and it's like, <laughs> okay, I, I can see your argument, but I don't think that's the sole reason. I think it's a very nuanced thing that we have to actually look at. Yeah. We have to look at things like education and uh, you know social justice reform and uh economics and um all these different and, and how we treat mental health in this country there's a lot of things that kind of go into that and just saying it's just this is one thing is like putting a band-aid on an arterial bleed like <laughs> yeah you've covered up the blood for a minute but it's not you're not actually stopping the bleeding no you're still bleeding it's still there's still something going on no and it, it's the same thing with fauci it's like it's mask it's not mask it's there's a lot of things happening here and you have to be honest with it and you have to say we don't know all the answers that isn't to say that we aren't going to find it we aren't looking but currently this is the data we have there's more data coming in, and we will keep you apprised. For whatever reason, people in the media and people at higher echelons of power are like, the American population is too dumb to handle nuance. And that's just not true. Kind, kind of like uh, they, they said not to, oh, okay. Oh, she, yeah, you're in the big chair now. She's going to come snuggle with you. Okay. Millie, Millie. Maybe uh, just lay down. There you go. Millie. Good girl. Uh, <laughs> uh, kind of like they she told us. snuggles because she's afraid she's about to get a bath. They, they said initially that the reason that they told us not to Because they were afraid they were going to run out yeah. of masks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so if that's that. your reasoning, tell us that. Yeah. Like. Tell us that. Instead of just lying. <laughs> Instead of just fucking lying to us, tell us that. We're we're big boys and girls. We can handle that shit. We're adults. Hey. Melly. Yeah. Good teamwork. <laughs> You're okay. Yeah, I I think at the end of Come the on. day, so Come on. So I Lay down. As it relates to leaders and leadership i hold leaders to a higher standard uh in the public sphere in a sense of in the government uh in the state of north carolina if something takes place 
I hold the governor responsible at at the top of the food chain, the person at the top. So, well, yeah. If it if it deals more on a lower level, so say you go into a business that has a sign up, Wake County. The, the governor listed or, or, or lifted the mass mandate a long time ago and put it on the counties. Then the county said, dude, I work in Orange County. Let's let's talk about. Like, <laughs> well, then the, then the county said, all right, there's well, I, I think what it was was North Carolina said, here's the mass mandate, but you can opt out. That was the second to last one. And then the last one, they just lifted it completely. But today, you can still go to a business. And so if I go into a business that requires a mask, I don't hold the governor responsible for that. No, you, okay? hold the, you hold the person responsible. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm talking about. But if it's like a statewide thing where it deals, it same goes for the federal government. And me and my brother-in-law disagree on this. But I said, if at the end of the day, it deals with the federal government, it's the guy at the top. And his argument was essentially kind of what I had said before, um, not not in line with that but as far as like the deep state like we know president biden is not in that position because you know he's there because that's who they wanted to to take the position come on they, you you want to get a minority female elected to president and they wouldn't even vote for her in the primaries mostly because harris is completely unlikable um no 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 no, no, no. But but what I'm saying is I hold the leader ultimate res ultimately responsible in this specific in the Fauci scenario I hold Fauci responsible for Fauci so I'm not blaming him for the miscommunication especially when you have like the director of the CDC or the health department coming in there and saying stuff like I'm not going to hold Fauci responsible for the things that they said to the public but when Fauci gets on there and he you know, it, it is kind of like you said as far as the data goes, but whether he was telling us that it was being changed because we're still gathering data or I think what he should have done was just paused. If he's still analyzing data, then instead of changing the policy, leave the current one in place. Look, at the, at go, the, Millie, go. At the end of the day, I think... Melly, hold on. Melly, we're confused. Go get mommy. Go, go. No, she knows it's bath time. Go get her. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want this. This is terrible. This isn't what I signed up for. No, I get what you're saying. I Look, I understand. So that's why I'm not, I would never hold Fauci responsible for the be, overall. I think to, well, this is why I don't like Trump. I think in order to be a good leader, there is an element of humility that you have to have. I don't think that Biden has it. I don't think that Trump has it. I don't think that Fauci has it. You are a single human being. And the only person that I can think of in the history of mankind that is documented as to never having made a mistake. He has a smirk on his face. Is Jesus. If you, Jesus, then you get, you, you. You don't make mistakes. Kind of the benefits of being the son of God. <laughs> right? Like you're a Christian, right? Yeah. You agree with that? Yeah. Do I think that that's true? I mean, since I'm not a religious person, I mean, and I'm someone who's read the Bible, I mean, there is one story of Jesus when he's 11 
and there's nothing else until he's 33. I mean, I want to know what kind of happens in those 22 years. Well, back then, see, ages were different. So. Oh, is that it? Is yeah, that it? yeah, it was. Okay. He was 11, and then he turned 33. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm, right. I'm glad I could clear that well, up. Th- for thank you for that. I'm thank you for, for your biblical. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but we are all human beings. We all make mistakes, and I think one of our societal problems that we don't address is that. As a society, we expect those in the limelight, doesn't matter if it's politics or sports or entertainers, we expect them to be perfect. And that is very unrealistic. It's unfair to the person that's in that role, and it's unfair to us when they can't live up to it. And I think that we don't talk about that as a society at large. People are going to make mistakes. The president of the United States, the, the, the people in charge, they are not always going to be right because they went to Yale or Harvard or come from a different class of people or whatever does not mean that they are infallible. They are not God. And only God is infallible. And so if your if your idea is that this person who's telling me this is completely right is a misnomer. They aren't. They are going to make mistakes. <clears throat> so if you're a good leader, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, is that I'm not always right. And I'm going to go into every like how I approach work, how I, I at least how I think I succeed is that when I go into work, I know as the manager at the, at the work that I'm doing that I'm not going to have an answer for everything. In fact, I'm very afraid that I'm going to make the wrong call, but I don't let that fear cripple me in that I explain to the people that I am in charge of, like, this is what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. And if it doesn't work, we'll readjust. No plan survives first contact, right? I go back to the leadership traits of, you know, what is it? JJ did tie buckle or whatever. And I think one of them is humility. You have to be humble. You have to recognize that you aren't the smartest person in the room and you have to rely on those who whose expertise is in a certain area and you have to listen to them so so you you, have to make an informed decision granted ultimately the decision lies on your shoulders that's that's the issue that i have mostly when it comes to leaders like the president is not making a, your well, that's my problem with you trump can, is trump doesn't trump does not have that personality he's going to sit in a room of experts and and he may or may not listen to them talk but he ultimately is going to go i'm the one that knows more than you because i'm smarter than you but, it, but it's a problem but it's not that's not the issue that i have because once again like you talked about if trump made a decision and he was wrong 
then that's okay because human beings make mistakes. The issue that I have only if you is, own up, only if you own up to the mistake. It, that's exactly the, only if you own up to the mistake. That's that's exactly the but problem yeah. that I have with people, and that's exactly the problem when that I have Trump with Fauci. When Trump owned up to a mistake, huh? When has Trump owned up? To I'm a talking. Mistake? I'm talking about Fauci. Yeah. I'm talking I, about Fauci. When has Fauci owned up to a mistake? Ex that's exactly my point. It, it, I don't hold people accountable like a certain expectation of a level of perfection. It's I I I expect them to take responsibility for it. Yeah, and and I I mean I honestly believe the phrase you brought up at the beginning of Fauci saying "I am science." It kind of just takes that completely off the table now you can't even disagree with him or dislike him because he's like well if you disagree with me then you disagree with science well the fact that nobody in popular media stood up to him and was like really really that's a good follow-up question like, that's a good follow-up really question. really okay <laughs> I, I, define first, science because the first <laughs> no the first question i would have been like is like all right Explain to me the nuances of the quantum theory of whatever and and make it scientific law. Because when you get into stuff like quantum theories, it's all just that. Theories. And he's gonna go, I was not that bad. No, 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 no. Your quote was, and it's a direct quote, is you question me, I am science. So explain it. Why are we not bending wormholes to travel between galaxies right now that's a theory that we can do your science answer that shit oh so you're not really science and then you get him to it man was like well i misspoke and blah blah okay so you misspoke on that what else did you misspoke on like what what else but no one did that i i feel like what you're talking about there is a significant problem in the media it said they always have the, these questions and then they get answers and then there's no well, it's sufficient the same it's follow the, up. It's the same problem with it's the same problem with what happened in Afghanistan for 20 years. Nobody nobody who was at a big big name media company anyways that was winning Pulitzers was going hey top generals at the Pentagon you say we need more money. You say we need more manpower. What does winning look like? Define it. How do we hold you accountable? So when we don't hit those goalposts, we can come back to you and say this. Because the theory was, if you disagree with the top generals, you are unpatriotic because these people cause 9-11. They are the villains. We are the good guys. Don't question it. That is what it is. In 2009 and 2010, when I was in Afghanistan, I could have told you, if you would have just asked, will we win this war? What happens when we leave? And I would have told you, and I told people around me this at the time, that place is going to fold like a fucking deck of cards. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter that it was Biden that pulled us out. Doesn't matter that it was Trump that set it up. Doesn't matter what president was sitting behind a resolute desk. The images you saw when we left Afghanistan would have been the images you saw no matter who was the president. Period. 
I, I agree with that. I don't. Period. I don't think you have because Afghanistan and maybe not Iraq as much, but they're very tribal. They are. So it's well, like Afghanistan you don't, is way more tribal. But than you. But you Iraq don't. Ever was. You don't take a society that has operated a certain way exactly. for in, in such a long period of time. Here's the problem is that nobody was asking was shining the light onto the generals and going or onto the Pentagon and going, tell me the truth. Let me ask the hard questions. Ultimately, this is the problem I have with the media and all the media doesn't matter. I don't give a shit. If you work for CNN, Fox news, MSNBC, the New York times, the Washington post in my mind, you are making Joseph Goebbels proud. And yes, I am comparing you to a Nazi. And yes, I know how terrible that is. But you are, in fact, a propagandist. Now, granted, most of the people who go into journalism are like, I'm going to change the world. <laughs> and I'm going to... But nobody is, is doing anything about it. Nobody is changing the way the media... I, is i think uh no one everyone is like oh it's just entertainment it's not so i i think i would disagree with you on that point but just in a sense of that, that nobody's doing anything about it there are a few people that are doing look, at their, look there, at their there ratings are, well yeah their viewers are doing something yeah, about it. i'm yeah, just saying really like you're right you're right but nobody within the organizations are and and I think coming out and doing anything about it. This this is true, but hey, it, who really gives a shit if CNN and Fox News go under? At the end of the day, the podcast you recommended to me and all the other podcasts I listen to and the one we do here, it's a decentralization of information. Yes. And I think not only is it advantageous, but it's also a lot more entertaining. So the viewers, the listeners to those mainstream media outlets, like they've got these extremely large infrastructures, tons of money and people behind them. But if nobody is listening, then who really cares? And we all run to our podcasts and our YouTube videos and, and yeah, watch but that then stuff. we're siloing ourselves. I mean, think about it. You and I are on this podcast that maybe three people listen to. Four and a half. Okay. I've counted. Okay. I'm one of those. <laughs> so let's call it three. Let's just round. Um, we aren't like, I, bro, I would love to be able to go out and research a topic and get all the information and reach out to people and get sources. And I've got a fucking job yeah. that I work 50 hours a week. I can't, I don't have time for that shit. Like my, my, expertise is coming from the few podcasts that I have time to listen to or reading stories the few times that I have a chance to sit there and read. Yeah, but uh, some of the ones that we listen to like that that's what they do, that's what they're passionate about like they Yeah. they in invest in that. Yeah. So so it's like but I I understand where you got to you got to put a grain of salt on that. Yeah, well, I mean, I know their reach is not as powerful as some of the larger companies, but still, if the larger companies don't have viewership, what I mean, what are they going to? They're they're either going to have to pivot or they're going to go under. 
No, I, I disagree because the business model is they're part of cable packages now. Oh, so, I see what you're saying. So yeah. they're part of being on Spectrum and Xfinity and Dish Network and all this. They're part of a basic cab cable package. So those companies are paying them as long as people are signing up for those services. Well, plus they're still getting paid whether people watch them or not. Plus the Rec TV Spectrum, they have their app. Because people don't get cable, they stream now. So they said, we got to come up with an app. So they stream that. And then CNN also came out with their own streaming app. Which is, so, which is doing terrible. I've, I've heard about that. It's I heard it was fun. like $6 a month. Yeah. And, and no one somebody made it. a somebody made a joke that now like if you didn't listen to CNN before nothing happened but if you don't listen to CNN now then you actually save six dollars yeah. a month. <laughs> it's fucking well. It's the same as Fox. Like, look, CNN isn't the only bad guy in this. I mean, Fox News, MSNBC. Uh, you know, I I we just got Apple TV streaming for a few things that we wanted to watch there. Um, and John Stewart is on, and John Stewart and I probably, if we sat down, there were things that he and I would agree on, and there were probably more things that he and I would disagree on just because of the lives we've lived. But one of the things that he did, first of all, the first episode he did was, um, the problem with the VA. What is it? What it's is not it a comedy on, show. It's on Apple TV. So, so it's you, a subscription you service the only. Apple TV plus app. Yes. And then you can watch that show. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing, the reason I got it, one of the reasons I got it was because I was watching on YouTube. He had this new show and his first show was on the VA, which very directly involves me. And he is a big advocate for veterans and first responders, which is amazing. Um, and the things that he's done for first responders and for the veteran community is outstanding and he should be commended for it um but he went he went and sat down with the uh head of the department of veterans affairs and was like talking specifically about burn pits and was like why are you not helping veterans for this you should go and watch the episode it's fucking phenomenal kind of how he holds him to account and does not let him skirt around issues and like circle talk yeah the whole thing <laughs> how he's like whoa, whoa, whoa this is the question i'm asking this is what i, I feel like i've answer. heard a clip it's fucking phenomenal well the, he did one i think it was like last week or two weeks ago that we watched that was the problem with the media mm. and it is fucking amazing to watch to be like this isn't they aren't they are no longer with the walter cronkites of, of the world they are in entertainment businesses and they are on the same level as the kardashians and it, it's it's insane when you start sitting down and, and thinking about how they set up their business model that they are not there to inform they're there to entertain well like tucker carlson the supreme court ruled that is he is in entertainment like there was a lawsuit that went all the way up to the supreme court and the overall, and I don't know the exact briefing or what the, the case was about, was he's not a newsman. He is entertainment. It's the same thing with Rachel Maddow on MSNBC. But these companies are using 
And they're saying, I don't. I just don't know. They're, if they're anyone, saying that we are media and we are the freedom of the press, and they're not. They are straight up lying to you. They are in the business of entertainment, and that is all they are in. Yeah, because I just don't know if you're not in like investigative journalism and then regurgitating strictly the facts if you can honestly say that because i feel like the monologues and stuff like that that tucker carlson and some of these show hosts you know put on like they're written so it's a lot of opinion and it's coming from their mind as opposed to the straight facts so yeah. I I mean I would agree with that. I I guess I'm I never really thought about that. They are they are by and large entertainment. And I the question then becomes under the freedom of the press is entertainment does is there a tagline that we should be putting on that says this is not this is not news this is entertainment like a disclaimer like a disclaimer i mean think about it if you are telling the world that you are a news organization and yet you are create your business model is entertainment should there not be a parental advisory that says we are here as an entertainment thing this is not news i i definitely feel like that is hot things are hot <laughs> i mean it's one of those things where it's like should we have to put that on there no but yeah <laughs> but yeah <laughs> i think i think because it it's becomes then so if if not if we're not putting that advisory out but here's the downside here's the double edge to that sword if the government is the one that is saying this is media this is entertainment what's to stop them from saying well anybody that disagrees with us is entertainment and anybody that agrees with us is media and news and the press so these people get access to me these people don't that's kind of the double-edged sword and well, that's the conundrum that i think we face and I think it falls to each and every one of us to just kind of say, well, we are going to choose, you know, who we listen to, but we need to encourage debate. Yeah. Which leads us, I think, to our next topic, which is Joe Rogan. Because <laughs> I think we're, we're talking about that. Yeah, man. Fuck yeah. Joe like, Rogan uh, is awesome. Like like I said before, uh, when we were downstairs, I I know he's like worth a lot of money, and normally you wouldn't hear this from somebody, but I just kind of feel bad for him because I know how he got started and his intent behind that show was like I'm a genuinely curious person who wants to hold long form conversations with people of all different uh, look, industries I, and backgrounds. I don't know what he's going through, and I don't know what led to the decision that he made and okay so for those who don't know the decision that he recently made was that he's not going to have political people on his podcast anymore yeah it sounded like possibly uh heavily weighted political yeah. people and figures so don't know why he made that decision 
but from the outside looking in the reason i personally and i'm not saying that this is a bad decision or a wrong decision i i disagree with it because i don't think ideas happen in a vacuum well i don't think consistent consensus and change happen in a vacuum you need to have debate part of living in a free and fair society is understanding that there are going to be people that disagree with you and that those people who disagree with you are not evil they are not criminals they are not bad they are people and they are entitled to their beliefs and their structure no matter what they are as evil or as terrible as they are they are entitled to them and living in a free society means you have to deal with it you are going to be offended in a free society it is going to happen the idea that you walk around and you are not offended in a free society means that you are not in a free society if you walk through the streets and you are not offended you are living in an authoritarian state okay so my question is because the way you speak makes it sound like you don't think he should have made that decision. I don't think he should have made that decision. Okay. So that's me personally. So let's that's my let's opinion. look at it from his perspective, I which is we understand why he would make that it's a business decision. Yeah. So here's where we're at a crossroads. We can be Joe Rogan and tell everybody to fuck off. The guy that has the largest possibly the largest podcast. It is the largest podcast. All yeah. in the face of the fucking planet. Eleven million downloads a month and risk enough people getting pissed off or the right people getting pissed off to where you go from podcast to no podcast or i just not have political guests on anymore and still have the freedom to talk to 99 percent of the people that you want to so that's that double-edged sword you talked about that's the double-edged sword i I just don't think he made that he didn't make that decision because of him disagreeing or being offended by other people definitely joe rogan didn't that's a very but it's a business decision i couldn't imagine being in that situation i couldn't i don't know how i would make that call like i don't know if i if i'm in joe (laughs) rogan's shoes and i have all of that going on i would like to think you know there's a part of me that's an ideological uh that's ideological that would think i would stick up and say i'm still going to bring people on my podcast that are um controversial no to let them have a voice um I would like to think that I would do that. I mean, that's a very tough that's a very tough call to make. I mean, I I haven't lived it, right? You haven't lived it. No. You know who's lived it? Joe Rogan. I mean, I don't know. I would I think of him as a tough guy. I think of him as a guy who would someone I would I, First of all, I someone I respect. I mean, I do respect him. He and I probably would disagree on some things mm-hmm. and agree on others. I think we'd agree a lot more on things than we would disagree um i really liked him on fear factor <laughs> I, liked on, I liked him on Chappelle show I smoke rocks, Joe Rogan. Uh, uh no i mean i, I you know these again, but i think i ideolo- i ideologically i i would think i would want someone across the table from me that is completely different from me no i would like to 
have the chance to read like have an outlined discussion of what we the topics we're going to discuss not like but we're going to hit a we're going to hit b and we're going to hit c in a three-hour conversation to give me time to formulate why i believe pro or con against those three things or four things or whatever and then sit down with that person and say okay you and i disagree fundamentally on a we agree fundamentally on b we disagree fundamentally on c so let's get into this i have no notes i only have what i've read you have your chance to to sway me i have my chance to sway you and we'll at the end of the day see where we are because ideas don't come in a vacuum nobody knows how tomorrow is going to turn out nobody knows that plan a is the end-all be-all right in the marine corps we said no plan survives first contact didn't matter how much you planned for a patrol or convoy or whatever the minute the bullets started flying and the minute you hit that ied the plan went out the window and you had to adjust no no one comes up with it in a vacuum no and you've got to again going back to the leadership conversation you've got to be humble that says i'm willing to listen to what you have to say um because i i haven't walked in your shoes i don't know your experiences right think about being a veteran right you can't go tell someone who's never been a veteran i mean you can tell them and they can empathize with your experience but they'll never truly understand you can put it in a book you can make a movie about it and people can kind of have an idea or an understanding and empathize with it but they'll never truly understand what it means well right it's the same way as a as a white guy right i'm i'm a white person i will all i let you clarified right yeah uh for those of you who aren't watching <laughs> um but I'll never understand what it means to be black in this country ever. I can empathize with it all day long and I can have an under, and I can understand it and I can kind of see where you're coming from as to your experience, but I will never truly 100% understand it ever. As much as I open my mind to it, into, I, I will never walk that, that mile in your shoes. And I think at the end of the day, you know, Joe Rogan is the one person who's having a shit ton of those conversations with people. And I think those, I it's think just that, disappointing overall that yeah, I think you that's know. a, I think that's an important conversation to have. Yeah. Um, because every conversation you have with that, no matter what it is, is it's a step closer to, to better understanding it. Um, it's never going to be perfect. The goalposts are always going to move. But every thousand mile journey begins with the first step. And I've got to be the one that takes that first step. So how do I, how do I find the better places? I make that journey and I start walking down the road and I try and get to 100% knowing that I'll never actually get to 100%. Well... Fucking mind blown. I if have, this doesn't blow up and become viral, I don't know what will. I'm not super worried about that because they'll just shut it down if it does. That's true. They, they said the F word. <laughs> um, so, 
coming up we have several the the great thing because you made the comment about oh you know i have a job so i can't travel the country that's a good thing because we don't have to adhere to other entities whether that's our audience or a larger corporation or a boss whatever it is so we've got uh next episode i've got notes written down for business how to grow a business different techniques and strategies uh operations but maybe we want to pick up where we left off with ukraine we can do whatever we want yeah we could we can do whatever we want so i've got could. that written down um i would like to know if anybody wants us to talk about specific things yeah if there are any comments out there so so it's they can leave it in the comments section um i i get that right on my cell phone so whenever somebody leaves a comment uh they can also go to the website which are both one and the same right now so you can go to veteranstalkshow.com or the business and brew show.com that's in the show notes as well uh because it's business and brew show.com not the um but it both goes to the same place hit contact and then i get an email fill out the form I want you guys to talk about this and then it comes back, you know, once we have an influx of requests, we get to just choose whatever we want to talk I, about. You know, we're we get opening, to pick what we want to talk I about. I feel like they we're opening this to up to about. the internet. We're going to start talking about goat porn at some point, which I am not ready to go become an expert on goat porn. Just saying. I'm not either. I, I do have a story that surrounds that. I mean, got, I was deployed. I was deployed too. I've I seen, was deployed. I've so seen some things that horrifying. <laughs> I've been to that, Iraq. That, I have, don't, that don't involve violence <laughs> to another human being, but definitely. Uh, but yeah, so uh, we'll, there was we'll, a debate one day on posts. If, oh, uh, I, I do. Let me pull up the calendar too, because we've got somebody else coming back on. Hasn't been on for a while. Who's coming on? Jacob, right? Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Is he coming yeah. up or is he going to Zoom? No, he's coming up. So, fuck yeah. So let's see. April, uh, shit. Ooh, April 24th, Veteran Talk Show, Jacob Returns. He wants to be on both podcasts, but you said we could record here. So in May, uh, well, I said the 21st, but I'll talk to him because if you want to do it the, on Sunday, so April and May, we're having Jacob, and he's going to be on the Veteran Talk Show and Business and Bruce. So yeah, if you I, I, I if you Jacob. haven't seen or heard Jacob, then go back to episodes he's one a and two. Dude. Yeah, Love that guy talking about that's the very first episode. He was talking Tom shit about your tattoo. You, or no, what's his name? We were talking about MySpace. Tom right? would unfriend you. Tom would unfriend you. It's yeah. probably the best quote I've heard in a long time. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, that's that was cool. like, yeah, he's a uh, first guest. He's he's more uh, on the artistic side of it, but he's starting a t-shirt company. I'm down. It's very much more focused on the art, though. Um, where it, I, is, I hope it's. I feel I, like I a lot draw of him a big old bag of dicks. So he can <laughs> a I feel like a lot of other veteran-owned uh, companies focus more on the branding yeah. aspect. Uh, he's much more focused on the artwork. So. That's pretty. And then, uh, oh, I was, we can talk about this after, but I got to get your t-shirt size and stuff. Cause we're going to get t-shirts out of the deal. Okay. So that's, that's pretty I sweet. Wore, I wear a schmedium. <laughs> schmedium. 
It's a SCHM. It's a, it, it's like a it's like a sports bra for me. You want a crop so top? I can tell him so to cut the beer the, gut can come out. Tell him to cut the bottom half yeah. off. I know. I just I, there are people throwing up right now because they're now visualizing <laughs> that. Well, maybe they should listen to the podcast instead of watching the video. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening, I, I look like The Rock. <laughs> if you're watching, you know I'm a liar. <laughs> Until next time. (laughs) All right, guys. This is the Veteran Talk Show. If you or someone you love is suffering as a victim of sexual harassment, sexual assault, needs help with addiction and recovery, or mental health and well-being, then please go to VeteranTalkShow.com slash resources. This show is hosted, produced, and edited by Ryan Smeltz. Our co-host is Joe Ballack and a guest-starring veterans.